I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Sharks don't want to eat you. That's the lesson in the new book from Mark Lear and Young, Sharks Forever. The mystery and history of the planet's perfect predator. Sharks are fascinating, one of uh, the ocean's top predators. We, we take a deep dive, as it were, into the habitat, biology, behaviors, and personalities of sharks. And in the book, Mark gives us a sense of the threats to sharks like pollution and overfishing and shark fin soup. The book also provides us with ideas on what to do to save sharks, the seas, and us. Mark Learon Young is an award-winning author, screenwriter, playwright, and filmmaker. He hosts the podcast Scanna. He has written television shows for young viewers, cartoons too, and has produced the award-winning documentary The Hundred-Year-Old Whale. He's previously appeared on this program with his uh, uh, books uh, Free Magic Secrets Revealed, uh, the killer whale who changed the world, and orcas everywhere. Visit learon-young.com for more. This new book is from Orca Books. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online program in person as it were, Mark Laird Young. Mr. Laird Young, good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here again. It's nice to see you. Um, you, you dedicate this book to, to Rob Stewart, and um, I interviewed him 10 years ago, and um, he, he just floored me in terms of his work, his attitude toward sharks. I mean, I asked him if, if he was ever afraid of sharks, and he said... Um, he encountered a shark at nine, and the shark was scared of him, and that changed his whole attitude. And 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 I I read a lot about Rob in your book. What what did he mean to you? Rob was one of the most amazing humans I've ever met. I mean, you've interviewed a million people for your podcast, and there was something just phenomenally special about him. And I met Rob when I was uh, at a film festival in Barcelona with my movie The Green Chain. And Rob was touring with a little movie called Sharkwater. And we were the two Canadian filmmakers. So we were introduced to each other as, well, you got to meet the other Canadian here. <laughs> and... Uh, I think this was the only festival where the Green Chain actually took an award that Rob really <laughs> should have got because people thought the Green Chain, which was about BC's forests and fiction, was a real documentary. So I think we sort of took the award for most important documentary. <laughs> Thank you for the language barriers. Um, but I was just completely inspired by his attitude, and we started seeing each other at different events over the years, I was lucky enough to host him when he was at the Vancouver Film Festival. And basically, I, I always found his work really inspiring. I found his attitude really inspiring. And he just was so phenomenally genuine in his love for sharks, the way he fought for the ocean, and his the way he cared about people, yeah. especially young people. Yeah, And um, I tried to help promote his work all I could. And when I was launching my podcast, Scanna, which I know you support, thank you, uh, I wanted to kick off with Canada's three most famous environmentalists. And so I was going to launch with David Suzuki, Elizabeth May, and Rob Stewart. Those were, those were my three. And so I reached out to Rob. And then I was doing like you did. I only wanted to interview people live and in person. Sure. So I thought, you know, I'll get Rob next time we're in the same place. And my book, Killer Whale Changed the World, was coming out. He'd offered to blurb it. He said, okay, I'll blurb it. I just 
doing a little bit more on my new movie now. And that was right before the dive where he yeah, died. Yeah. And um, when, again, this oddly, this came out of my podcast, I realized that I had all of these interviews I'd done with Rob for various places. None of them were recorded to be shared. They were recorded, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. get my quotes right. And I realized with Rob gone, I was, I should share some of those interviews. I shared one of those interviews. I, I did a preview on Scanner saying, coming up, I'm going to do an interview with Rob Stewart. And somebody, an old friend, reached out to me and went, how do you have interviews with Rob Stewart? I have a, a bunch of them from when we were hanging out. And next thing I knew, I was hired to do the promotion for Sharkwater Extinction. And I was hired to be the person who explained, who basically made sure that um, outreach was done. I was hired as the outreach coordinator to make sure that that movie had a political impact. Yeah. So that's... And this is this is part of it. Yeah. That. So in terms of what sharks mean, sharks mean to me, this book's for Rob. Yeah. It, on every level. This book doesn't exist if I wasn't doing the work on outreach for Sharkwater Extinction. And and but, but by the time I talked to him in 10 years ago, 2012, he was already a celebrity. Um, he uh, was uh, a well-known filmmaker and the sort. Um, so the thing that struck me about him as I was thinking about him, I was reading the book, was uh, he was a cool guy. Yeah, he was, was a guy that, you, that anybody could you know, conceivably go up to and hang out with and talk about Absolutely. sharks or anything. Um, and yet he had these, these desires in terms of, of the, the political, if you will, uh, to, to make a difference. And, and 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 then the tragedy of it, you know, he was a young guy when he died. Yeah. Um, what was he like? I mean, the, the guy that we saw in, uh, on the news or on TV or, or in his films, that was the same guy, wasn't it? Absolutely the same guy. Yeah. No, he just always struck me as phenomenally genuine and so caring. And, um, yeah, it, it was interesting. I was I had to emcee. I was emceeing a bunch of events at the the film festival, and my my wife Rain was with me, and Rob said, "Rain, do you just want to come with me to my party?" And Mark will be just afterwards, so he just took her, basically as his date to yeah. you know the Sharkwater event. And said, "Yeah, you, you you'll meet us later." Yeah. So she got to go go, go off with Rob and <laughs> you know do the celeb thing at his movie, and I'm. You know, introducing another movie—it was really fun. Yeah, but uh, just really sweet. Yeah, and and it's such a loss, I guess. And 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 you you do a marvelous thing in this book, and in, in talking about him, dedicating the book obviously to him, but talking about him and his work. And and I can't help but think that a kid will pick this up, a young reader, and look at his work, look for his work. I and, sure hope so. And perhaps be inspired and do the same thing that he did. One of the most amazing things for me about putting this book together was. Because I'd done the outreach work, the people involved with the Robster Foundation, Sharkwater Foundation, um, offered to share photos, which are in the book. So I've got some of Rob's photos in the book. I've got some photos of Rob in the book. And I find with every project I do, there's one person or one group of people I'm scared to show it to. <laughs> it was terrifying sending this book to Rob's family. Mm, yeah, And they are understandably very protective of his legacy. And um, they sent back a quote, which is, I, I don't think it ended up on the book, but yeah. it's in the promotions, basically saying how um, they felt Rob would have loved this book. Yeah. And just that, I was like, my work's done. Yeah. Right. Um, why do you uh, describe sharks as the perfect predator? 
they really are. I mean, I guess everything in some levels, the perfect predator because everything's sort of built to eat one specific yeah. thing, but just, they really are built to eat. They, they really are like just eating machines. So I get where they look kind of devastating and awesome when you see them hunting. But I mean, you know, you know my work with orcas. Orcas are a pretty awesome they, predator. Yeah, they are. Orcas is an apex predator. The way orcas, I mean, the way a couple of orcas in South Africa basically devastated uh, great white sharks when they feel like it. it's like, yeah, yeah you look <laughs> like fun. You know. There's a marvelous photo in the book of um, an orca, and I can't remember where it is now. And the size compared to the, the, the larger shark. I can't remember the name. Oh, was this the image? I had, I had one of my former students do an image of a megalodon next to an yeah, orca. Yeah. Oh, that was a commissioned image. Uh, C. Douglas Fish, who was one of my students in one of my classes, and they did this amazing piece for a project. And I said, can I commission you? And, and it, it, the perspective, as you see yeah. the size, I mean, it, it's it's you can't, it's hardly believable. You know, that, that. <laughs> that was orca and megalodon. It's a, I hope that fo- I hope that image goes completely viral. I love 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 that image. So the the movie Jaws, as you can tell, I'm, I'm a movie fan. Yes, I um, that. I haven't I haven't I don't think I've seen the movie Jaws in probably thirty years. I was a kid when I saw it, and it scared the hell out of me. And it it did to you. Oh, absolutely. What what um, if if you think about it, as I was reading the book, it, th- that movie was pretty bad for PR when it came to sharks. <laughs> what is astonishing to me. And baffling, really, is this one movie released in like what seventy six or something like that? Yeah, right. So this one movie completely defined the way humans see sharks. People were not particularly scared of sharks before that. They didn't really think about them much, one way or the other. The moment Jaws happened. Every single shark attack, and I'm going to use air quotes for attack, but basically every time somebody saw a shark, it was reported as if aliens had invaded, right? There's a shark off a beach. Ah! It is mind-blowing. I can think of almost no other movies that have had an impact like that, and I'm trying to find out theories for why that movie's had its staying power, because it's almost as if... Like, it's not even like Shark Week shows it every year, but it, but it is so in our collective memories that that fear of sharks that came from that one movie has really defined a relationship with sharks and has defined, like, there are generations of dudes who hunt sharks yeah. because sharks are monsters. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. All from one movie. Peter Benchley sort of spent the rest of his life going, hold on, hold on. <laughs> this is the author of Jaws going, no, 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 seriously. You know, this was, they're not all monsters. Yeah. No, no, chill out. Stop killing them. Um, and you'd hear things from people that they, they go to the beach, say, here, where there are no sharks in, in, in Vancouver, near near, near Vancouver, um, unlikely to encounter one there. And they will they both say things like, well, oh, you'd be better not, not be on your, this is telling females, <laughs> you better not be at, you know, your time of the month because a shark will find you. Oh, yeah. No, seriously. I'm like, it. <laughs> Like shorthand for fear is do 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 exactly. Doo-doo. Like I don't know. There's another movie score that has stuck with us like that. No, right? Like just 
the three notes and you've got that happening. You know it in your head. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like that's hardwired into our collective memory. And I, I'm fascinated by how that happened. But, but the serious part of that is the, the, the harm that's done to sharks since. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you talk in the book about uh, the Australia government and, and their so-called war on sharks. Um, the irreparable damage not only to sharks themselves, but to our environment as a result. Well, what started to blow my mind is I, I mean, like you, I love interviewing people. So my approach to this book was, all right, where are the experts? How can I find them? Who can I talk to? And so I spoke with uh, Madison Stewart, who's done a lot to raise awareness, no relation to Rob. Right. Uh, and she's done a lot to raise awareness about sharks in Australia. And basically when you're eating shark meat and when you aren't, because shark meat is sold under all sorts of different yeah, things. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that, you know, most cats are big fans of shark meat as yeah. ocean fish, right? Yeah. Uh, and what you start to realize when you look into these things is like when a government goes, we're going to get the shark that bit someone or scared someone. Yeah. They don't go, we're going to go for that shark. We're going to go, okay, we're going to take out every shark in this area, right? It's as if somebody was, you know, like, it's like if when our different, you know, forest services go, oh, somebody was bit by a bear. Mm -hmm. We're going to kill every bear, right? That's the approach to sharks. It's not, we're going to find the bear who wandered in, you know, who actually hurt somebody. We're going to just take out every bear we see in Banff right now. Like, that's the approach to sharks. So, oh, one moose hit one person in, you know, in Jasper. Great. We're going to shoot every moose in Jasper. That is the approach to sharks. Yeah. And I wish I'd put that analogy in the book. <laughs> that just hit me now. But, yeah, because you get, you know, moose hitting people or whatever. Yeah. The government does not go, it's time for a war on moose. Yeah, exactly. You know, you get a bear bite. Maybe you go after the one bear. You don't go after every bear. But when sharks attack... And again, I'm going to use, use attack lightly or loosely because one of the things that keeps coming up is that basically sharks tend to bite humans and let go. Yeah. We're not food to them. We're, not, yeah. We're a lousy food source. Yeah. And, and to, to unfortunately invoke that word attack, those are those, those incidences of biting, yeah. say, are very rare. Yes. And, and um, I mean, you, you, you mentioned in this Australian context, kangaroos probably do more damage. Oh, than, they do. Uh, you know. Um, is there a way to get away from that, though, that, that, that sort of idea, that myth about sharks? It's really tough because, like, Shark Week has become this bizarre phenomenon. Sharknado and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the image of sharks. Sharks just look scary to us, just where the eyes are, the teeth. Like, something about them just hits us on a primal level uh, because they make, you know, I mean. They make they, good coffee, they, don't they? They really do. <laughs> they make good monsters. Uh, the name is awesome. Yeah. Shark is just a good, scary name. So the Neil Simon thing with the words with a K are scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really is. And it, look, that's one of the things I've fascinated about. I'm doing a whole series of, been doing a whole series of shark interviews and trying to get a handle on what it is yeah because sharks fascinate us yeah like they really do and as we're looking at the photos of the book um they they look as i mean they they could come off as playful say as dolphins or seals you know what i mean 
Um, but there's that fear about them, and I guess the teeth is what scares a lot of people. And you have photos of the the, the different kinds of teeth. In yes. The and I, you know, I've, I've never been, you know, I never, I'm not a fan of a dentist, but I'm sure a dentist would find that fascinating in terms of of just how intricate, sharp, obviously, um, and and the different kinds of the way the teeth are set up in in well, the different also species. Also, the fact that they go through so many. Yeah. Like just. The, the math sort of boggled my mind. They just keep replacing teeth and yeah, replacing yeah. teeth and replacing teeth. Well, one of the, the fun things is you've got sharks forever in front of you. I did a baby book to accompany this. Mm-hmm. And finding photos of sharks and just going, Here's, let's just get photos of sharks where they look cool. Well, we're not choosing them to look scary. We're choosing the images to look cool so they yeah. won't scare babies. Exactly, yeah. And what's interesting is that right now we're adults are going, really? Can I show sharks to babies? I'm like, yes, yeah. this is how you're actually going to change things. You're actually going to get, like, you know, babies go, wow. Cause seriously, whale sharks are flat out beautiful. Yeah. Right. I've, I've now become obsessed with the idea of seeing a whale shark in the wild. Yeah. Like they are just stunning and not scary looking at all. And again, you start to look and you go, really? They're only like three types of sharks that have done almost all of the actual damage to human beings ever. Yeah. But the word shark just freaks yeah. people out. And they assume that all of the different hundreds of sharks are out to get us. Yeah. Well, the, their brains, too, are, are fascinating. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I hate to ask this, but, but are, are they uh, one of the smarter species, say? Um, they don't seem to be, but they're but they are more complicated. It's one of the things that humans are really bad at judging other species yeah. because we judge them by, by our own yeah. standards, right? Uh, and then you start to change the rules and you go, hang on, octopus can do what? Yeah, yeah. Um, like one of the people that I interviewed, uh, Felice, I'm not going to try and say her last name, but she was doing research on shark behavior and shark personality. And she was explaining that she went into the field because nobody's cared. Like, nobody's been interested in the idea that sharks have personalities. And then you meet people like Rob Stewart, going, no, no, you can tell them apart. Mm-hmm. So you meet Rob Stewart, Madison Stewart, Julia Barnes, and are going, no, that shark's curious. That shark's scared of me. That shark wants to take me out. And you start to realize they have very different personalities. And she was doing work at uh, Shark Lab in Bimini. And discovering that lemon sharks have friends Mm. right and what's fascinating for me is like you see people release studies like these and they go out of their way and twist themselves into knots to avoid (laughs) using the word friend they have a filial bonds or whatever like my favorite are the contortions people work themselves into to go no no other species don't laugh and then they basically describe you know, do these elaborate descriptions that basically equal laughter. I'm like, no, you tickle a tiny monkey, that's freaking laughter. Yeah. Like, the fact that any little kid will look and go, oh, look, the monkey's laughing. That's because the monkey's laughing! Right? And you see that with sharks, too. You go, no, no, they prefer to hang out with this one. That one's the friend. Right? This became an obsession of mine when I was um, doing all my work around orcas. And you would see these stories saying, the whale carrying Telequa, the whale carrying her, you know, 
her neonate, like people they were going to such great lengths to avoid <laughs> saying this mother whale was carrying her dead daughter and grieving. And they kept, I kept reading phrases like appears to be grieving. I'm like, okay, yeah. humans may appear to be grieving. We may be able to fake it. Yeah. Who's she doing this show for? Right? Like I've seen people at funerals who are like, Oh, glad they're dead. <laughs> right? Like, and he, I don't think orcas are doing that, right? I don't think dolphins are doing that uh, or any other species. But we go to such great lengths to avoid attributing animal, you know, attributing emotions to animals. And this comes down to some fear of anthropomorphizing, which is somehow a sin. And I've become obsessed, and I snuck the word into Sharks Forever 2 for kids, a concept called anthropodenial, which is denying that animals have emotions or feelings. Uh, You talk to friends DeWall about that. Absolutely. And, and um, his his work is, is, uh, um, I interviewed him once, but I can't remember. It was, it was, uh, Mama's Last Hug. He's, yeah, he's done a ton of work with Abe. But, but so what did he tell you about this concept of anthropodenial? Anthropodenial. Denial. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's the biggest word I've ever snuck into any book, and I've got it in two children's books now. (laughs) Uh, He basically talked about the fact that scientists have been raised with the idea that attributing these these feelings are some sort of cardinal sin of science because it, it loses objectivity. But the reality is that they're bending themselves into pretzels to avoid stating the obvious that, yeah, absolutely. Talakul was grieving. Absolutely. When you tickle a monkey, it laughs. Uh, Absolutely. You know, this behavior is play, that behavior is friendship. And going out of our way to come up with ridiculous, ridiculous ways to describe these behaviors that seriously any six-year-old would recognize. Yeah. What, um, the thing that that I got out of reading the book is that if we better understand sharks... We'll better understand our planet, ourselves even. Yeah. Um, our oceans, certainly. Um, why do you think, um, I, I guess this PR problem that I, that I brought up earlier, really, I mean, that's the impediment to, to say, bettering the way we are with, with oceans. Because we are the biggest threat to them, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, well, we're messing up our oceans in terrible ways. It's like you start to realize when you do environmental stuff that when you throw stuff away, away basically means the, it ends up in the ocean eventually, right? You end up with, you know, everything is now eating plastic. Like everything out there is now eating plastic. Uh, Oh, we're ridiculously bad at overfishing, right? You know, humans don't share. That's, that's what you kind of keep coming back to is that humans just are not good at sharing. And we kind of see anything that eats the same stuff that, as we do as a pest. And that's been a historic thing. And stop realizing that, okay, so the sharks are actually protecting the reefs. They are providing the ecosystem. You can't remove an apex predator for an ecosystem and expect the ecosystem to stay in balance. Right? Yeah. There, there really is... The the more environmental stuff they do, the more astonished I am by nature. Yeah, yeah. And, and did you get angry at people then? It's hard not to when you, you know, when you do any of this work, you start to go, really, can't we behave just a little bit better? 
can't we pay just a little more attention? Um, I mean, hey, I, I like writing and reading horror. So, you know, great. You want to do sharks as villains once in a while, but don't then go out and shoot them, chase them. Yeah. You know. Eat them. Yeah. 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 Uh, you mentioned, um, uh, you alluded to this a moment ago. How, how close have you gotten to one? Oh, the closest I've ever been to them was when I was a little kid and I used to be taken out fishing. So, I mean, I remember seeing dogfish, yeah. you know, fighting for their lives and just going, oh, wow, these things are fierce. Uh, so the closest I've ever been was probably like on the deck of a boat going, I don't think I like fishing. Right. I, yeah. Like I realized yeah. really early, it's just like, oh, so you catch the fish and then you bash its head in. This is not my yeah. thing. Yeah. This is just not my thing. But that would have been the closest I've been sharks in aquariums. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, Probably the things we've probably all been really close to sharks. So one of the things we're realizing now, if they swim so much closer to shore, right? If they really thought we were snack foods, yeah, nobody could ever get in the get on a beach in yeah. Hawaii, sure. Australia, or anywhere like that, because we've started to realize they're almost always sharks fairly close to shore. Like I remember being in um, sort of a like almost a like a waiting area near near a hotel when I was a little kid on Maui and somebody was fishing there and I mean like three, four feet of water max mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they reeled an eel next to where I was hanging out. Clearly the eel did not think I was tasty mm. because that eel was like right where I was, you know, yeah. walking around going, Ooh, cool, hermit crabs. Yeah. Um so they're everywhere. We've all been really close to sharks. We've been in the water. I can't get over the fact that after reading the book and talking to you now these these past few minutes, uh, I had a lot of fun reading this book. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm sure you had a hell of a lot more fun writing it. Did you? Yes. Well, what was okay? I, when I did orcas everywhere, I there was a lot of coverage of orcas in captivity. I was doing, you know, I was covering the story of Telequa. I was talking about Moby Doll, who's kind of my obsession. Who was first ever caught in captivity lots of sad stories with the sharks i actually got to be a little more playful right i didn't realize until i did my first reading that people kept laughing like, there are not a lot of laugh. there's i didn't get to, i didn't <laughs> yeah. get to get funny for a bit but the fear of sharks is so outrageously out of proportion to the, what they are to yeah. what they are right like when i started doing them looking into the reality of it and going, what do you mean more kangaroos kill more people annually? Like you start to, and I just went, became obsessed going, what else kills more people annually? It's pretty much everything. Like what? F- roughly five people are killed by sharks each year. You know, Rob in Sharkwater talked about falling soda machines. Like, <laughs> but I mean, like it's like lightning strikes. You could just like list off all the things and I just started to play. Because I'm going, this okay. bookshelf could fall on me exactly. Any second, but then. falling bookshelves definitely kill more people each year <laughs> than sharks, right? Like, you know, yeah, TVs falling on people. Like, like, you just pick the most random thing, and they are all more dangerous than sharks. So I started looking at that and just realizing that most people were perceiving sharks as monsters gave me room to play, right? And so yeah, this is. 
it kind of shocked me reading this out loud and going, wow, people are laughing. Oh, right, I got to be funny for this one. Yeah, and it's, it's really, a, I, I so enjoyed reading the book and, and, and I, I learned a lot more than I thought I would. And Because, you know, I, I'd learned about sharks in school and I never, th- you know, there were lots of things that made me think about plastics, especially in the sort. Um, when you came in, uh, you gave me a uh, Mark Lear and Young for... Uh, CRD and Signage Council button. Yeah, you're sitting next to my uh, Mark Lear and Young sign, which uh, my friend Rhonda Gans brought me. Um, That's so cool. What made you um, even consider running for political office? Uh, pandemic. It really was the pandemic. It was me going, "Wow, um, this is really home. What can I do locally?" And I've been doing all of my most of my writing is taking on global things. So it's like, you know, sharks, that's a global, yeah. Shark, sharks, orcas, although I've been doing a lot of work around the Southern residents, which is more local and really getting the sense of what can I do locally in my home. And I've been living in Saanich for about 10 years now. I've lived there off and on over the years was first living there when I was a UVic student. And I went, what can I do that will actually make a difference? And part of it is, you know, working for something like sharks, you're dealing with America. You're dealing yeah. with the United Nations. You're dealing with a million countries. And I'm going, I don't know what I can do for sharks uh, beyond raise awareness, but maybe I can help save a watershed in, in my home. Uh, maybe I can help with the salmon stream that's there. Maybe I can help, you know, students find housing. So it was trying to find places that I could make a difference on a really, you know, on a local level. Did the experience um, discourage you about politics at all? No. Uh, I was really impressed by the quality of people who ran. I was impressed that... uh, even the people who I disagreed with on a lot of issues seem to be very genuine in in their passion for them. So I found, certainly in Saanich where I was running, I found the other candidates, yeah, like I said, very generous, uh, very caring. Uh, I loved that when people's signs were knocked down, mm-hmm. we were all putting each other's signs back up. There was a real respect for the process, and that kind of gave me hope because watching our political landscape, really watching the American political yeah. landscape, so depressing. Yeah. So, you know, and also, I've been writing about my po- I've been writing about politics and covering politics and being adjacent to politics my entire life. So it sort of felt like. Okay, put my money where my mouth is. Yeah, when I first heard that you were running, I thought, um, I I wondered why. But then I thought, no, this is a great idea because, you know, I've known of you for 30 years or or more now. And um, I always thought that the the, the ideas, the the spirit that you would bring to politics, local or otherwise, I think is something that's sorely needed, not just in Saanich, but elsewhere. Thank you. And and would you consider it again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what shocked me was that none of my friends were surprised. (laughs) When somebody first suggested to me, I was like, are you kidding me? And every single friend who I said, 
I'm thinking of maybe. Yeah, of course you are. So the idea that all of my friends thought this yeah. was a better fit for me than I did was kind of a bit of a statement that I guess this was yeah. worth taking a run at. And it's, it's a loss for the people in Sanich that you won't be there for the next four years, but I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll be there. You'll be in Sanich for the next four years yeah. doing something, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What's the next project for you? Uh, oh, see, I am so close to being able to announce the next book. Uh, I'm talking well, with Orca about another yeah. book, but I, it's not official yet, so I don't. Well, people can follow you on Twitter. and Follow and, me. Yeah. Yes, follow me on all the good social media things. Listen to Scanna as soon as where I'm covering oceans and orcas and the environment. And I will reveal that because it's supposed to be another ocean-related creature who's awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm connecting with kids is so much fun. And yeah. doing the kids' books work is just so much fun. Mark, it's so nice to see you again. I, I can't tell you how much I am um, a big fan of yours. You, you, I hope you know that. And um, it, it's just I, I'm delighted that, that um, you're able to come in and do this. And, and uh, I, I wish you every success with not just this book but everything else. You too. I'm a huge fan of yours too. Thank you for all your support. And thank you for all your support for books. Because we were talking about this before the podcast started. Almost no one is covering books. And you cover them in such phenomenal depth, and it is so appreciated. So, Joseph, you're doing essential work. You're an essential service. Thank you, Mark. Uh, the, the, the book is called Sharks Forever, the Mystery and History of uh, the Planet's Perfect Predator. It's uh, published by uh, Orca Books. Uh, the website for more is at lirin-young.com. Mark Lirin-Young, join me in person here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.